You're listening to a live audio recording from Women's Bible Fellowship at LEFC. This is week 11, the conclusion to the study of Matthew. Here we are, the very last week. Can you believe it? Did you enjoy this last week of homework? Did you like the idea of trying to go back through the semester and process all that you had learned? Trying to boil all your main points down to three to five? (laughs) That was easy, right? For some of us, myself included, that is incredibly difficult. Maybe some of you enjoyed it and it wasn't too hard. So I have a personality that often wants to rush in to the next thing. I tend to jump headfirst into whatever is coming with a whole lot of hope and anticipation. I am the eternal optimist. And this can be great, but it can also cause me to forget to slow down and to pause and remember what I've learned in a previous season. So I've been learning to really slow down and try to do this in life, to think through what the Lord has taught me. And we hope that this week has been just that, an opportunity for you to slow down and pause and reflect, to uh, take all of those details that you have been pouring over and to zoom back out at what the Lord is doing in the big picture. This is an important study tool, and it's also something that the Lord calls us to do in life. We can see throughout scripture that the Lord calls his people to remember. Remember who he is. Remember what he's done. Remember his faithfulness and pass it on to the next generation. This this week was meant to give you an opportunity not just to process what you'd learned on a head level, but to take some time and think back through what the Spirit has taught you as you have studied. What has he taught you? Have you grown in your understanding of who the Lord is? Have you grown in your love and affection for him? How have you been called to obedience? This reflection, it doesn't need to stop after this week, and I would encourage you to continue to let the word bear fruit as you prayerfully reflect on this study. Let us not be like the man who looks in the mirror and immediately forgets what he looks like. So each of you have a personal application, but I also hope that your time in Matthew has uh, opened your eyes to who is the king that we serve and what is this kingdom of heaven. I told you at the start of the study that kingdoms have a king and a way of life that is lived according to the king's standards. And whether a kingdom is a good or a bad place to live is determined by who that king is. Because it's out of the overflow of the king's character that come the law and the way of life for that kingdom. Sisters, my hope for us this semester is that our eyes have been open to see afresh who Jesus is to see who is this king that we serve. As we go back through this morning, I want to encourage you to think about Jesus. I want to encourage you to write down aspects of his character that have stood out to you as we have studied his earthly life. Let this review remind you of what the Spirit has taught you. Let's not walk away from our time in this gospel without beholding Christ. Christ, who is the anointed one. Christ, who is the Messiah and our risen Lord. Glorious deity, robed in frail humanity.
So we started our time out together seeing how all of scripture has pointed to this moment. This is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament. The rule and reign of God was contested in the garden and it created chaos and separation from God. But God, who is rich in mercy and because of his great love for us, promised a savior, a Messiah. And so God the Father, he wrote the history of Israel pointing us to this moment when he would send his son, Jesus. Jesus comes, Emmanuel, God with us. The kingdom of heaven is at hand with the arrival of the king. Jesus, in all of his infinite glory, humbles himself to be born as a baby. We saw right away that there could only be two responses to Jesus, opposition and allegiance. Herod, the Pharisees, and Satan, they all stood against Jesus. They were concerned about losing their power, and so their response to him was one of fear and self-preservation. They opposed him. In contrast, Joseph, the wise men, John the Baptist, and the disciples, they all responded in obedience, worship, and surrender. In giving their lives to Jesus, they gained them. In the Sermon on the Mount, we heard the first of five discourses by Jesus, hearing how the rule and reign of Jesus changes the lives of those who have given their allegiance to him. Jesus is not like the kings of the earth. He doesn't merely want our actions and our service to come in line with his standards. No, he wants our heart. He wants our desires and our inner selves to be changed. Why? Because this way of life that Jesus offers us, it's the right side up. Do you remember Chris's analogy about the child with the head between their legs? Jesus is offering his people something that is countercultural, And it's hard because it's against what our sinful flesh wants. It is the narrow road. But this narrow road, it brings with it abundance. Because it's the way that we were designed to live. Jesus is showing us what it looks like to be truly human. The way that God created us to be. The image of God that was fractured at the fall is being put together as believers are united in Christ and allow him to rule in their hearts. How good and loving is this God that we serve? We see his great love for us as he calls us to obedience that is for our good and his glory. Jesus moves from the Sermon on the Mount into a series of miracles. And these miracles, they show us his authority and they also authenticate his message. Jesus has the power to save. He holds all authority. He holds all authority over disease, over the spiritual realm, over the grave. He has the power to resurrect. Sisters, Jesus holds all authority. Nothing is outside of his hand and nothing can happen without his say-so. Let this both comfort us and bring us to our knees. What hope to think that this limitless power is possessed in the most benevolent God-man. Over and over again, we saw that Jesus would move towards those who are sick and lame and in need of healing. This display of Christ's care, it shows us who he is. 
He is gentle and he is compassionate. Time and again, we saw him moving towards people in need. We saw later in chapter 11 that this is the very heart of Christ. He's gentle and lowly. Our Savior does not cast us out. Rather, he is the solution to our needs. He alone offers us the remedy, and he delights to do so. He delights to offer us himself. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. This kingdom life is for our good. It is the right side up. He has not come just to bring physical healing, but to rescue sinners. It's through faith that we believe in Jesus, and it's through faith that we put our trust in him. Faith is both our entrance and empowerment in the kingdom of heaven. Our trust in Jesus compels us to join him in his mission of proclaiming the gospel. This is the second of Jesus' discourses where he prepares his disciples for the kingdom work that they will do. Jesus knows what is coming, and so he prepares them for the trials that they will encounter and the persecution that is going to happen. He's attentive to their needs and to ours. He knows that fear will come in the face of persecution. He knows that there is going to be sacrifice and loss. But the truth that he gives them is that in these trials, he, nothing is outside of his sovereign hand. He knows all things. He will empower them through the Spirit for this mission. The cost of following Christ is dying to self. But in him, we gain everything. After this discourse, we saw Jesus addressing the Pharisees for their blasphemy. He warns them not to continue in unrepentant unbelief. Judgment is coming. God is holy and he is just and he will punish anyone who does not repent and believe in him. The only way into the kingdom of heaven is through Jesus. There are only two paths, opposition and allegiance. The third of Jesus' discourses came in parables. And here Jesus both reveals and conceals the truths about the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. These mysteries are things that often cause us to question the Lord as we look at the world around us. Yet how kind is it that Jesus, who knows all things, makes these things known to us? Do not be confused by people's response to the gospel. Do not be surprised when some in the church believe and some do not. Remember, the kingdom of heaven is growing. And know that Jesus is worth everything. Continuing on, we see more miracles and various responses to Jesus. We see Jesus' patience as his disciples count the cost of following him. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John get a glimpse of Jesus' glory as he is transfigured before them. And when they do, they fall at his feet, terrified of his presence. Yet Jesus, robed in humble flesh, he moves towards them and he touches them. The untouchable God of Mount Sinai has made himself low to touch and be touched. This is the humble king that we serve. 
Jesus gives his fourth discourse on the kingdom community. How do we, as the people of heaven, interact with one another? We image Jesus. We image this merciful and humble king. We're called to extend the mercy, humility, and forgiveness that we have received. We care for each other the way that Christ has cared for us. We mercifully fight against sin in ourselves and one another. We forgive each other. And we, and we seek humility rather than applause. This takes us to the final week of Jesus' life. His triumphal entry leads to his death. Jesus confronts the Jewish leaders with wisdom and authority. He's not shaken by them, but rather he wisely and graciously states the truth. He clearly calls out their hypocrisy and the mournful state that they find themselves in, separated from God. Their claim of faith is empty, and at a heart level, they stand opposed to Jesus. Jesus privately gives his last discourse to his disciples. And like the parables, he gives them insight into the kingdom come. His sovereignty and love for them are evident as he tells us what it looks like to be ready for the kingdom come. He knows that at times, this world, it looks bewildering and confusing. And so he tells us that none of this is outside of his hand or his plan. Do not be alarmed. Do not be led astray by the events of our day. Our hope and our future are sure, despite what this world looks like. And while we wait, we are called to wisely put our trust in Jesus and to faithfully serve him. In perfect sovereignty, the time of his death has come. And what seems at first like a startling turn is actually perfectly fitting. This is who Jesus is. As he has walked on this earth, this is what we have seen of him. We have seen the glory of heaven come low to touch and be touched. We have seen his perfect love move towards undeserving, undeserving sinners with mercy in our brokenness. We have seen his holiness and his justice calling out sin. And now this same Jesus who calmed the winds and the waves, he healed the sick and cast out demons. He rose people from the grave. We see him die on a cross. He chose to stay on that cross. He chose to take our punishment and to give us access to God so that we can be with him. Isaiah 53, five to six tells us, surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was put on him and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Through his wounds, we are healed. And through his death and resurrection, he has conquered the grave. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And all of us who believe we are united with him and we have received entrance into the kingdom of heaven. 
we have hope. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead, it lives in us. Our king has conquered. Let us follow him. Let us proclaim the message of Jesus. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Let us go and tell, making disciples who know, love, and obey Christ. Trusting that he is with us the whole of every day to the very end of the age. This is the king at whose feet we fall. He offers us the words of life. He offers us himself, and he offers us the kingdom of heaven. Do you know him? Do you love him? Do you follow him? He is everything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending Christ. We thank you for sending your son. We thank you for showing us who he is, for showing us who you are through him. Lord, as we look at Jesus, as we have watched his life, Lord, our eyes um, have been in awe of seeing your humility, your love, your authority, your justice. Lord, I pray that as we leave our time in this gospel, we would walk away struck by the glory of who you are. Lord, would your spirit cement these truths to our heart? Would we desire to follow after you, to give our lives for you? Would the things of this earth grow dim and would you grow with ever increasing glory in our eyes, Lord? Would you lift our eyes, Father, as we worship you this morning, would you lift our eyes to behold the glory of who you are? We ask all of these things in Christ's precious name, amen.